Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Consumer Review Report. I'm Diane Rebecca here on WMCK.FM Internet Radio, and welcome to the show. If you have any ideas on any services or products that you would like to hear on the show, you can email me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. Also, if you have any products or services that you would like to rave about, you can also email me at ConsumerReviewReport at gmail.com. Contact me on Facebook at Consumer Review Report. I'm also on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. And also, if you've had a product or service mishap and you would like to contact me about it, you can also email me at ConsumerReviewReport at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. So, wow, we're really having some hot weather out there. It's like, I guess you would call it Indian summer since uh, it's almost the first day of fall. Or is it the first day of fall today? September 21st, is that? No, today's the 22nd. So, not sure if it falls on the 21st or the 22nd, but I'm pretty sure we're probably in fall right now. All right, so uh, today's show, we're going to be talking about data and digital privacy. Now, we all have concerns about digital privacy, um, but and sometimes you might not even know that your data and digital uh, things are being amassed for marketing purposes. You know, when you're playing a game, Somebody must know what games you like to play. Uh, If you buy something, somebody must know that you bought it and somehow ads pop up for the same item that you either searched for or you bought. And so all of this data is amassed for marketing purposes. So, um, you know, uh, like I said, if, if you've ever bought something online or just did a search on a particular item, you'll find ads popping up for that exact item that you bought or searched for. So I noticed that too. But the first time I noticed that was when I bought a 10 foot by 10 foot shade tent. And then uh, this was before I learned about cookies and the like about, you know, I thought to myself, wow, what a coincidence. I just bought this tent and now I'm seeing this ad for it. And I didn't understand what's going on. And I thought, well, it was just a coincidence. I, I, <laughs> I mean, it was a big coincidence because, you know, how, how is these ads popping up? See, I was doing a search on this tent, right? And then I found a, one of these tents at a good price and I bought it. And I thought, well, these ads would have came in handy before I bought the tent. So I'm not sure why I'm seeing ads for it now. Well, since then, you know, I've learned about cookies and, you know, how tons and tons of search and purchase data is collected and used for marketing purposes. And so nothing we buy and nothing we search for is uh, private anymore. And uh, there's a lot more data and 
digital stuff is not private anymore either. So, you know, now it doesn't surprise me. If I take a cruise and then I see ads for Royal Caribbean, I know why. Uh, however, I do wonder, you know, if I already purchased the item, why do they send the ads? Like I said, they send the ads after I needed to, you know, search for a 10 foot by 10 foot shade tent. And they send the ad. I, I don't know why they have the ads popping up. Are they hoping that you buy another one? Are you hoping that they pass the ad on? I'm not sure what the purposes of sending ads, you know, having those ads pop up after you've already purchased the item. Now I can see if you did a search and you did not purchase an item yet that they would these ads would pop up, but you probably already saw those. So if you were doing a search. So I'm not sure what the purpose of you know those ads popping up after you've already purchased something, but you know. So uh you know I'm not sure about that, but we'll be talking more about that and other ways that uh, the technological objects spy on us in our cars, home, and offices. And we'll be taking excerpts from the October 2019 issue of Consumer Reports. And then we'll also be listening to some videos explaining the truth about data and digital privacy and how to defend your online privacy. Now that's all coming up after the recall portion of the show. So let's go ahead and start that. And also, I forgot to call up the recall screen here. So let me just do that real quick. All right. And now I just obliterated the article that I had planned to talk about. So let me just go ahead and try to find that again. That was about the general purpose uh, flower that uh, General Mills is recalling again. As you might remember, they did that. Okay, so I got it. They did that a couple months ago too. And so I'll explain a little bit more about that. Um, all right, so let's go on to the consumer product recalls. Uh, let me just try to X out of that without anything happening. Okay, we have first up human scale recalls quick stand light workstations due to injury hazard. The recalled workstations arm can break and cause the workstation to fail or is it fall? I gotta take off my glasses here. Fail and fall so look the same with my glasses on. Okay, works the work causes the workstation to fail, posing a risk of injury. All right, kitschier lighting recalls pendant lights due to fire hazards. The light sockets can overheat, melt, or catch fire, posing a fire hazard. Exploding Kittens recalls safety goggles sold with Extreme Edition dodgeball game sets due to laceration hazard sold exclusively on Kickstarter. The, Google, uh, the goggles contain glass lenses posing a laceration hazard if shattered. Yeah, you certainly don't want to wear those while you're playing dodgeball. And Chronicle recalls... Uh, Power armor collectible helmets due to risk of mold exposure. Mold can be present on the fabric insert 
inside the helmet, posing a risk of respiratory or other infections in individuals with compromised immune systems, damaged lungs, or an allergy to mold. That's Chronicle Recalls Power Armor Collectible Helmets. And if you are concerned, if you have any of these uh, products or anything that you hear on this recall list, you can go to www.recalls.gov, click on the uh, link that of the product that you are concerned about, and it will tell you what phone numbers to call, what websites to visit, etc., etc. All right, so that does it for the consumer products uh, portion. Let's move on to Food and Drug Administration recall safety alerts. They do deal with foods, medicines, and cosmetics let's go down to where are we starting at oh here we are general mills so it's uh okay so general mills recalls five pound bags of gold metal unbleached all-purpose flour now there was a usa today article dated september 16th that described a little bit about what is going on general mills is recalling about six hundred thousand pounds or about 120,000 five-pound bags of its gold metal unbleached all-purpose flour for possible E. coli contamination. The voluntary recall is for bags with a better if used by date of September 6, 2020, according to a notice on the Food and Drug Administration website. The UPC is 000 1600 dash one nine six one zero dash zero again the UPC code is zero 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 dash one six zero 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 dash one nine six one zero dash zero the recall is being issued for the presence or uh, potential presence of E. coli which was discovered during sampling of the five pound bag product, General Mills said in a statement Monday. This recall is being issued out of an abundance of care as General Mills has not received any direct consumer reports of confirmed illnesses related to this product. No other types of gold metal flour are affected by the recall. All right, so there we go. Um, now let me get out of here and go back to the recall list if I can. <laughs> it's not letting me. Oh, here we go. All right. So back on to the recalls. Uh, let's see. Oh. Uh, now I don't know how to say this, but I'll try the best I can. Phytotherapia USA. Phytotherapia USA issues voluntary nationwide recall of... Maru Macho Artificial Passion Fruit Flavored Vitamin C Liquid Supplement due to the presence of Tadalafil. Now, Tadalafil, or if, if I'm saying that right, Tadalafil uh, is a vasodilator and it can treat erectile dysfunction and enlarged prostate. It can also treat high blood pressure in the lungs, uh, pulmonary artery arterial hypertension but it's not supposed to be in this product so that's uh, you know so that's what they're saying now 
Phytotherapia USA is voluntarily recalling 19,000 bottles of Macho Artificial Passion Fruit Flavored Vitamin C Liquid Supplement. Uh, this is a liquid dietary supplement to the consumer level. FDA analysis has found the product to be tainted with Tadalafil. And so they don't want that in there. And they are, they are voluntarily recalling that. All right. Schwartz Brothers Bakery issues allergy alert on undeclared egg in lemon dessert bars. Schwartz Brother Bakery of Seattle, Washington is recalling 24 units of lemon dessert bars. Sell by date 9-21-19 because it may contain undeclared egg. People who have an allergy or severe sensitivity to egg run the risk of serious or life-threatening allergic reaction if they consume these products. Alright, so Abbott, uh, did we skip that one? No. Abbott Laboratories recalls Calico XD infant formula. Okay, so out of the out of an abundance of caution, Abbott has voluntarily recalled a single lot of Cal Calculo XD powder cans. That's thirteen point two ounce, with lot number seven nine six nine six K eight zero in the United States and Canada, due to an, an inconsistency in aroma and color in a small number of cans from this specific batch. So that's Abbott Laboratories recalls. Calculo XD Infant Formula. And again, if you're concerned you have this product, you go to www.recalls.gov, click on the link, and it'll tell you what you should do. Uh, throw it away and get a, you know, get a new one. You know, whatever. They'll tell you what to do. All right. So this is going on and on. Uh, Torrent Pharmaceuticals Limited expands voluntary nationwide recall of losartan potassium tablets. Again, with the Losartan potassium tablets. Now, CBS News about two days ago came out with um, a news story. September 20th, Torrent Pharmaceuticals is expanding a recall of blood pressure medication, possibly tainted with a cancer-causing chemical. The expansion is the fifth by torrent involving widely used losartan potassium tablets sold nationwide. Regular regulators first moved to pool heart drugs with potentially deadly contaminants from store shelves last year. The contaminant behind the latest torrent recall is also the same one that prompted Novartis to halt distribution of generic versions of the popular heartburn drug Zantac earlier in the week. Torrent on Thursday said it was recalling an additional five lots of medication due to treat hypertension. Uh, I'm sorry, used to treat hypertension after the discovery in the tablets of that cancer-causing chemical. So that goes on and on. I mean, we've heard about that forever and a day. But losartan tablets. All right, let's uh, move on to. Uh, Roland Foods LLC initiates a voluntary recall of Roland Red Lumpfish Caviar and Roland Black Lumpfish Caviar due to possible health risk. Uh, they are initiating a voluntary recall of its Red and Black Lumpfish Caviar products, which were manufactured at Aura EHF in Iceland because they have the potential to be contaminated with botulism. Yikes. 
Okay, and then I think we have one FSIS recall. Uh, actually, I see two here from today or yesterday. So we have Purdue Foods recalls simply Smart Organics frozen chicken ready to eat products due to misbranding and undeclared allergens. Uh, they are recalling approximately 495 pounds of frozen ready-to-eat chicken products due to misbranding and undeclared allergens. That's Purdue Foods. And Astro Chef LLC recalls chicken pub-style entrees due to misbranding and undeclared allergens. They're recalling approximately 11,475 pounds of frozen chicken pub-style entrees labeled as beef pub style entrees due to misbranding and undeclared allergens all right so that'll do it for this portion of the recalls of this show so on to the main event let's see what we have here okay so uh, the big thing that we're trying to convey today on today's show is digital privacy, data privacy. Um, the October 2019 issue of Consumer Reports has a big uh, spread on this issue. And, you know, welcome to the age of ordinary objects that stealthily spy on us from inside our cars our homes, and our offices. That smartphone game you play in the waiting room, the mobile app that gives you a weather forecast, the photo you share with online friends, all have the ability to reveal intimate details about your life. Our increasingly digital world has created mountains of data, and there are precious few laws to safeguard the information. But that doesn't mean you can't protect yourself. According to one of three nationally representative Consumer Reports surveys that guide this special report, 60% of Americans now bar mobile apps from accessing the camera, GPS data, and contact list on their phones and half protect their online accounts with two-factor authentication. Now, see, I always thought you couldn't use the apps unless you, if you blocked it, I thought you could not use the apps. But I guess you have a choice. You can say, hey, no thank you to, you know, having access to my contacts, my camera, et cetera, et cetera. At least that's what they seem to be saying here in the October 2019 issue of Consumer Report. Uh, in the pages ahead... And we'll go over that later. Um, you know, they have, uh, let's see, um, they have uh, the case for a paper password notebook. Like to have one of those instead of having your password manager uh, keep all your passwords for you. Um, they have how to search and destroy your old accounts. Uh, smart speakers that listen when they shouldn't, etc., etc. So we'll get to all these in just a little bit. But let's go to a video, and it's entitled Nothing to Hide, the Truth About Data and Digital Privacy. This was posted by World Economic Forum. So let's take a listen. 
Many people don't appreciate the importance of their privacy until it's too late. People will start to say, hang on, you're not allowed to know that stuff about me. Or if you do, that's fine, but I want it back now. We're often not even conscious of what we're giving away. Really simple example, terms and conditions. Of course, they're written in a way that you don't read them, but you just accept those things because you want the benefit of the app. I get, in return, an amazing search service. I get an amazing music and book discovery service, a great shopping site. They can't even deal with navigating, saying no to the app, and just accept that they have to give away their geolocation. They say, oh, I've got nothing to hide. You know, I didn't commit a crime. I didn't do anything wrong. Convenience often trumps trust. We all have things that we want to keep private, legitimately. We tend not to value privacy until it's too late. Though we may easily take it for granted, the fact remains that many of the companies offering us free services derive their revenue from our data by way of targeted advertising. All those online ads tailor-made for our unique likes, dislikes and curiosities, insights accumulated over time on the basis of how we behave online. As more and more cases begin to emerge of this sometimes deeply personal information being collected and shared without our consent, pressure is mounting for governments to step in. But when so much of what we do is being conducted and tracked online, efforts to restore privacy will require greater thought and imagination than simply tightening regulation. And fundamental to finding solutions will be answering the question, to whom does this data actually belong? Our data should belong to us. I'm a huge proponent that your data is your data. That's, that's where I start from. Companies conveniently, in the absence of you know, any organized system to say otherwise, say that they own the data. They collected it because you use this app or this device or this platform. People will start thinking, well, well, hang on a minute. What am I worth to you? And is that worth what you're giving me in return? The data, which is really a, you know, a, a technical way of saying how you lead your life, where you go, who you talk to, who you email with, what you browse on the web, where you shop, what you do moment by moment by moment, that's you. And you have to own that in the first instance. What scares me is, is not sort of the immediate use of that data, it's all the secondary uses of that data and what happens to it where we have no control. And just because the world is becoming more technologically sophisticated in surveilling every step of our life doesn't mean we somehow lose ownership of that very personal day-to-day -day aspect of who we are and what we do. And also how the companies can extract all the value from that data. And again, that's completely invisible to us. It is very, very important. At some point, people are going to start recognizing their own value and they're going to demand transparency. I don't see anybody playing a real leadership role in fighting back because the use of our data is so commercially lucrative. EU lawmakers, however, are making a concerted effort to fight back, which could spell trouble for the online advertising model in Europe and perhaps elsewhere. Set to take effect in late May, the General Data Protection Regulation is a new law intended to give European citizens greater control over their data and imposes significant penalties for companies that fail to comply. Some experts believe similar laws will be passed in the United States, where, according to a survey conducted by Harris X, as many as 83% of those polled believe technology companies need tougher regulations. But government intervention is just one piece of this complex puzzle. 
How might we want to reconsider our current concept of consent? To say that you've consented to give up your privacy because you've chosen to use a particular app or because you've used your mobile phone fails to reflect the way the modern world operates today. You can't live without your mobile phone. The problem with believing that you've got nothing to hide is that you know everybody has things that they want to keep private. It's really understanding what you think the trade-off is. What is it? Is it lack of control? Is it surveillance into your life? Where is the fear really coming from? You know, it could be a new relationship you're starting. It could be a health problem that you have. That starts to impact the decisions that you make as a consumer. One of the things I think is, is really interesting is how design can play a role in this. So how could design introduce just a little bit of friction before you accept that terms and conditions without reading it, it says, are you sure? We need a new concept to consent. It can't be implied from use. It needs to be much more explicit. If you give us this, we can give you that. If you give us this, we can give you that, and suddenly you get transparency about data usage. This is something I've really tried to introduce in my own life, is, is just that moment of pause, that I'm even conscious of what I'm giving away, and asking myself whether the benefit is really worth it. Ultimately, the solution is going to be a combination of, of self-policing by the companies and then government as enforcer, government that sets at least you know, basic rules. It is a bit of the, you know, the fox guarding the, the hen house because governments are incredibly intrusive. It's not a great situation. Is there anything we as individuals can do to regain just a degree of privacy? There are a number of best practices such as switching to web browsers and search engines that don't collect or share user information with advertisers. But for those of us not quite sure where to begin, Mozilla's Kathleen Berger advises trying out their Data Detox Kit, an eight-day program designed in partnership with the non-profit Tactical Tech intended to help users reduce their online footprint. Advertising isn't per se a bad thing, and neither is tracking. The much greater concern in the current ecosystem is the lack of consent. So the Data Detox Kit, for example, is an easy eight-day guide that helps you understand what's going on. It helps you find the privacy settings and controls. So basically anyone who has the lingering feeling that they might have agreed to too many terms of services without actually reading them, or open to many online accounts, here is a tool that might help you reset but Ken Roth thinks it's unfair to put the onus on the individual. We're never going to be as technologically savvy as the tech companies. And Kathleen Berger agrees. Data detoxing is not going to solve the whole problem. Ethical design, corporate responsibility and appropriate regulation all have a role to play. So what happens next? Is change on the horizon? Or must we radically redefine how we understand privacy in the digital age? I do think it's a paradox. You can have this apathy around what you give away and yet get so angry and be so concerned about sort of the macro issue of privacy. So we need official paranoia for us. And if governments drop the ball, we need the media and civil society organizations to sort of step in and insist that somebody start protecting our privacy and our data because right now it's not happening. Humanity fundamentally is a lot stronger than digital media and will start to reassert itself over it and will contextualise itself accordingly. All right, so they came up with a couple of solutions, but I don't think data detoxing 
is going to quite do it. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anybody, once you get into the technological world, nobody's going to want to leave it behind. It's just too convenient and um, sometimes too fun. I mean, all the games they have out there to play, etc., etc. But they did say maybe switch to web browsers or search engines that don't collect your information. Now, in the October 2019 uh, issue of Consumer Reports, they do have an app that apparently does not collect your data when you search. It's called DuckDuckGo. And they say each time you do a web search using Google, the company archives the details of that search alongside data on your web browsing history to help target you with personalized ads, which we talked about earlier, right? So with DuckDuckGo, you can avoid that tracking. The search engine delivers the info you request without building a user profile, generating revenue by showing you ads related only to that single query. Um, and then so, you know, when you type in women's running shoes, um, then a appropriate ad pops up on DuckDuckGo's results page and nowhere else. So, you know, so that's a way maybe not to use Google anymore, but use this uh, search-savvy DuckDuckGo. All right? So there's, you know, other ways to guard your online privacy, but it's a shame that you have to go do such lunch as like uh, here, Consumer Report Magazine also recommends that you turn off Facebook facial recognition. Facebook says it uses facial recognition to spot fake accounts and to help people tag friends in photos, but never to target users with ads. And so no matter how it's used, the technology itself can seem intrusive. And Facebook announced a new setting in late 2017 to let people turn it off. Nearly 18 months later, uh, a CR investigation showed that not all users had received the promised face recognition setting. So they're saying, you know what? If you don't want ads and you don't want, you know, them to know other people in your you know, to help tag your friends, you know, and stuff, uh, they say, just turn it off. Then that'll protect your privacy as far as that's concerned. Now, I have a video by Theo Joe. We've heard Theo Joe here on the show before. And this video is entitled, How to Defend Your Online Privacy Before It's Too Late. So let's see what he has to say about that subject. How's it going guys? You know, recently we found out just how little privacy we have left online, especially with a certain social media site revealing that they just handed out loads of personal info to other companies without your consent. But it isn't the only problem. There are plenty of other ways your information is being collected every single day in ways that you've never suspected. So that's what we're going to try and fix today by going over ways that certain people can harvest your information and things you can do to stop it. Now, before we jump in, I want to give a big thanks to the sponsor of this video, NordVPN, which I'll also be using in some examples in this video. A VPN service is one of the best ways you can maximize your privacy and security, so it will be a big part of what we'll be talking about in this video anyway. 
And I definitely say that NordVPN is among the best because I've found it to be more user-friendly than others and it has some pretty neat features I haven't seen in most other VPNs, such as special anti-DDoS servers, double VPN servers, and even peer-to-peer -peer servers for things like torrenting. So I'll put a link in the description where you can check that out. And just for you guys, there will be a coupon code so you can get 77% off a three-year deal by going to nordvpn.com slash joe. All right, so first I think we should go over who exactly you need to watch out for in the first place in terms of privacy. Information is valuable, and there are a lot of different entities that can profit from it with varying degrees of maliciousness. First off, we have websites themselves. This doesn't just include social media sites, but basically every website out there. With social media, it's pretty obvious what they do, which is take all the information you give them, whether that's from your profile or posts you make, and then turn around and sell all of that to advertisers. But the other websites aren't safe either, because most of them can track your browsing habits through other ways. For example, an advertising network will put a cookie in your browser when you visit one website, and then will be able to track you across every other website you visit that also uses that ad network. And because there are only a handful of ad networks that all websites use, it's very easy for them to see almost all of your browsing history. And if you thought that was bad enough, what if I told you that many internet service providers, yes, the companies that you pay to access the internet, also track you for advertising purposes, and in some cases even inject ads into your internet connection onto websites that wouldn't have been there otherwise. And I mean, why wouldn't they? They're a company looking to turn a profit, so if there is no law forbidding it, you can expect that's what they'll do. Before you get too concerned, I should point out that yes, there are things you can do to protect yourself against tracking from these websites and even your ISP that we'll get into in a bit. Some of you clever viewers have already probably guessed one of the ways is obviously a VPN, like NordVPN, and you're right. But before we get into solutions, let's quickly finish up with two more groups that just love to steal your personal info. Now, no surprise, one of those groups are malicious hackers, but believe it or not, they are actually the easiest to defend against, so we won't have to spend too much time on them. Common sense, like keeping your software up to date, running an antivirus can pretty much thwart any of that issue. The final entity though is possibly the scariest, which is the government itself. You might be thinking, well, how is that the scariest? Well, consider this. With companies, at least you know what their goal is, profit. They want to find out as much information about you as they can and then sell you stuff. Maybe a little bit creepy, but not necessarily malicious. The government on the other hand, well, you can't really be sure what they want they just collect as much information as they can for the sake of it. And by the way, I hope everyone realizes that based on what we've learned from reports over the last decade, that the government, at least in the US, is likely intercepting and storing everything everyone does online. Like seriously, everything. It's not even a conspiracy at this point, but it's easy to forget as we go about our day. All right, now enough doom and gloom, let's talk about some real solutions to all this. In the case of governments, ISPs, and hackers intercepting your data, the answer is actually rather simple. Encrypt everything. Someone can capture whatever data they want, but if it's encrypted, that information is totally useless. And that's exactly what a VPN does, if you're not familiar with them 
already. With a VPN, you're essentially sending all your information through an encrypted tunnel from your computer, so nobody along the way can intercept it and read it. Not hackers, not the government, not even your internet service provider itself. And even websites you visit won't be able to see your real IP address, only the IP address of the VPN server. Plus, because you're using the same VPN server IP address as so many other users, you're totally anonymous. Let me show you an example so you can see exactly what I mean. So here we're using NordVPN like I talked about before, and we can pick any of these servers in any country and it will instantly change our IP address and look like we're in that country. And this is just the simplified view. There are actually multiple servers for each country you can pick yourself if you wanna get that specific. We can switch servers and countries as much as we want and we can see here that the IP address changes every time. The way it works is any connections you wanna make are first encrypted and then sent to NordVPN servers. Then your connection is made at the end of the other end of this tunnel, as you can think of it. So going back to the privacy topic, this means that websites, search engines, the government, or whoever else won't be able to track your behavior. Or even if you're on a school or work network, they can't spy on you and see what you're doing. And another important thing I should mention is that you definitely wanna make sure that the VPN service you use does not keep logs or else, who knows, the government could show up and then get your data that way. And NordVPN does not keep logs, so that is perfect. By the way, as you can imagine, there are other benefits to using a VPN as well. For example, if there are geo restrictions for certain streaming content you wanna watch, which means that they're blocked in your country, a VPN could be used to get around that. And if your ISP is known to throttle certain content, this can prevent that because they can't see what you're doing. Plus, when it comes to the advertiser tracking and hackers, NordVPN even has a feature called CyberSec, which can filter all that out. So really, all your bases would be covered. All right, now another thing I should tell you about, which you may not even have known existed, are so-called super cookies, which may be used by your ISP. If you've never heard of them before, that's because internet companies have done their best to hide them, hoping no customers would notice. And this is one of the ways that they may track you without your knowledge. But luckily, ISPs are typically required to have a way to opt out. This is going to vary depending on who your internet service provider is, but deep in your account settings page for your ISP, they usually have an option for advertising and privacy. And this also goes for your cell provider, you should check them too. Another good place to start is the privacy policy link at the bottom of your ISP or cell carrier's website, which should almost always have information on how to opt out of things, though you're likely still going to have to dig through it a bit. For example, here, aha, look, my carrier has a link to opt out of all sorts of tracking. Look at this, relevant advertising, online behavioral advertising, and if you click through that, there's even a thing called enhanced relevant advertising. I mean, what on earth does that even mean? But the big daddy of information tracking you wanna watch out for has the suspiciously boring name CPNI, which stands for Customer Proprietary Network Information. In simpler terms, it's basically all the information the company has about you, including any info you use to sign up, such as name and address, plus how you use their network, which in the case of cell phone companies is basically every phone call you make, timestamps, call duration, destination, and loads of other stuff. It's likely that both your ISP and phone company track this type of info. 
However, I believe that they are required by law, at least in the USA, to allow you to opt out, but that doesn't mean they'll make it easy. What you can do is simply do a search for your company name, CPNI, and that should get you to where you need to be to opt out. But remember, there's other info they may be tracking, so definitely dig through your account settings and look at the privacy policy, because in my case, the links hidden in the privacy policy were not anywhere else in my account settings. So yeah, there's a lot more you need to do to maintain your privacy than you may have thought, but it can be done. The companies definitely hide away your options, hoping you'll never notice. And as I've said multiple times already, a VPN is another really important tool to have, which is why I was happy when NordVPN sponsored this video. That service has a lot more features beyond the scope of just this video's topic, so I'd suggest you check it out. Just a couple cool examples are the specialty servers they offer, such as the anti-DDoS servers, peer-to-peer -peer servers for torrenting, double VPN if you want to have just the maximum encryption possible, and even a unique kind called Onion Over VPN. And that actually allows you to access the Onion router without having to download the special Tor software, which I think is pretty awesome. In any case, I hope you guys found this video helpful. Let me know what you think down in the comments. Like maybe you know of other great ways to protect your privacy that I didn't mention that companies don't want you to know. And if you want to keep watching, I'll put some other videos right here. And if you want to subscribe, I make new videos every week. So it should be worth it. I'm looking forward to hearing from you guys. Thanks so much for watching. I'll see you next time. Have a good one. All right. So that was an interesting piece of information there that I didn't know about, that you can go to your carrier provider website and look under your account settings. Like um, instead of using the app, go to directly to the website and sign into your account and then look under your account settings for any links that say that you want to opt out of any um, you know advertising or you know anything like that so I did not know that but again Theo Joe said you really have to look for these links because they're not uh, something that they're going to make readily available since that's how they make their money is by getting your data and advertising what you are searching and etc so but that's a way to protect yourself is to uh, look for those links as much as hard as you can and then opt out of whatever they have available for you to opt out now going back to the October 2019 issue of Consumer Report magazine uh, another suggestion that they have to uh, help protect your privacy and they call it the old school option the case for a paper password notebook they say when it comes to protecting your online and mobile accounts many security experts recommend a password manager software supplied by services such as uh, Dashlane and LastPass are built in or built into popular web browsers can help you generate and deploy strong passwords across all your devices but password managers aren't for everyone setting them up requires some technical savvy not to mention a modest investment of time and occasionally money so uh, they also go on to say that uh, one old-fashioned alternative can be almost as good writing down well-crafted passwords on paper than hiding them away in a safe place at home. 
the pen and paper method works particularly well for people, uh, you know, like uh, someone's parents who need only a limited number of passwords for sites such as Amazon, Gmail, and Facebook. Uh, the important thing is to never use the same password twice, and they should also be long and complex. Uh, they recommend use a lengthy random string of lowercase letters, uppercase letters, numbers, and characters such as, you know, the ampersand, the hashtag, and the dollar sign. Keep the notebook in a place where visitors won't see it, and be careful not to lose it. Otherwise, you're looking at a future filled with forgot my password requests, which I really have a problem with because somehow I can never get that done because sometimes I even forget my username, right? So you say forget the password. They say, okay, uh, where are we supposed to send it? And sometimes maybe I used a different email or something like that. So it always takes two or three times before I can actually get a password so uh so that's another suggestion just write everything down maybe you have a safe at home you could put it in you know um and that way whenever you need it you take it out and uh there you go all right so another section of this uh october 2019 issue of consumer report is entitled how to search and destroy your old accounts People have been accumulating online accounts since the days when AOL recruited members using CD-ROMs. Unfortunately, not everyone remembers to delete the accounts they no longer use. And the data in these accounts can expose you to identity theft, phishing scams, and other security threats. Understanding what's out there about you on the internet is very important. And companies may still be collecting your personal info. And when there's a data breach, attackers can use your login credentials to try to sign in to other accounts. So, uh, you can use these tools and tips to flesh out the ghosts of internet past. Then, look online for instructions on how to delete them. Such as email. Search your email accounts, new and old, for phrases such as welcome to, new account, password, and confirm your email to surface the messages you receive when you sign up for services. It might be wise to hold on to old email accounts a bit longer too in case you need to reset an account password before the purge is complete. And then they say about search engines, uh, type your favorite usernames into Bing, DuckDuckGo, and Google to locate profile pages and public posts from your old accounts. The results will vary by search engine. Try hunting for your name and former email addresses too. So these are all ways to how to search for your old accounts and then you're going to want to close them or, you know, get rid of them. Uh, so again, just type in your favorite usernames and it, it, it may locate profile pages and public posts from your old accounts. Um, for the email, search for email accounts for phrases such as welcome to, new account, password, and confirm your email. And then those messages will come up and, uh, you know, then you might be able to search for those old emails, email accounts, and then close them out. Uh, saved logins. If you've allowed your web browser to save usernames and passwords, 
you can review the archive list to find old accounts and then instructions vary by browser in Chrome the most widely used option click on three dots on the upper right hand corner and go to settings and passwords and then Google and Facebook logins um, if you have any old Google and Facebook logins any app website or game you logged into using Facebook or Google will be listed on those sites on Facebook <clears throat> click the triangle in the top right of any page and go to settings apps and websites on a Google page such as Google search Gmail or calendar click the grid icon near the top right and go to account security signing in with Google and then yeah you can go ahead and delete any website or game that you don't play anymore but you had logged in using Facebook or Google and then any specialized search tools you go to the website have I been PWNED to see whether I don't know what that means pond <laughs> to see whether any of your email addresses or passwords have been exposed in a data breach at a service where you have an account so have I been PWNED that's a uh, that's the website and then you type in uh, any of the uh, email addresses and then it'll I guess it'll come up if you if it's been involved in a data breach or something so there's sites out there that will help you chase down any old accounts and to see if they've been involved in any data breaches all right so on to the next one um, smart speakers that listen when they shouldn't if you own a smart speaker you should be mindful about the internet connected microphone that lives inside it yeah so you I guess you have to be concerned you know so look out for that I mean I'm not sure even how you're supposed to get around that but <laughs> um, you know I think they're saying here too was that um, there's certain things that it might misunderstand that you say you know so you have to be careful I guess about that <laughs> All right, and then there's this thing called um, Proton Mail. And if you wanted an encrypted email, uh, this is Proton Mail. Free email services such as Gmail and Yahoo Mail may scan your communications for anything from ad targeting to in integrating mail with other apps. If that turns you off, consider shifting to Proton Mail. The service offers end-to-end -end encryption, which makes the contents off-limits to anyone but you and the recipient. Better yet, ProtonMail doesn't collect data on its users. In fact, you don't need to provide any personal info to register for an account. Uh, there are drawbacks. The encryption hinders inbox searches. The 500 megabyte storage limit for the free service is low. And if you forget your password, you're in trouble. Proton Mail is so hands-off, it can't help you re-access your emails. So there's pros and cons. It will protect your email, but it will sometimes protect it from yourself. So, all right. And then 
Here's another section of the 2019 Consumer Report is saying, and it's entitled, Is Public Wi-Fi Still Dangerous? You've probably read the advice countless times. Uh, don't use the Wi-Fi in coffee shops, airports, and other public places, especially for sensitive activities such as checking a bank balance. But are those worries outdated? These days, most websites use encryption to protect information as it travels back and forth between your device and the web. Whenever you check email, shop on Amazon, or read an article on the Consumer Reports website, you see a little lock symbol and HTTPS in the address bar of your browser, indicating that encryption is at work scrambling the data in transit. Even if hackers intercept, say, an email, they will be hard-pressed to decipher what it says. Does that make Wi-Fi a danger-free zone? Not quite. Things are much safer now, but that doesn't mean all the threats have gone away. First, PDFs of medical records, bank statements, and so on are transmitted in an unscrambled format. Second, there's no way to see whether most mobile apps employ HTTPS and finally, encryption isn't always deployed correctly. One study conducted by researchers in Europe concluded that the security of a significant number of websites had been severely harmed by cryptographic weaknesses. So, how to stay safe? Many tech-savvy folks connect to the internet using a secure VPN, which we heard from Theo Joe. To, he recommended that. It's a virtual private network app. But you also might try using a cellular connection because cellular signals are less likely than Wi-Fi to get hacked. That's easy to do on a phone. Just don't join the public Wi-Fi network. If you're using a laptop or tablet, you can set up your phone as a Wi-Fi hotspot. Although access to that feature depends on your cellular plan. This will burn through some data. It might also leave you with a slow connection or you could just use the Wi-Fi and stay off sensitive sites. So there you go. That uh, hopefully that's a little bit helpful. Um, that uh, actually will do it for this portion of our show. Uh, I hope uh, that uh, you've learned some, uh, something about how to protect your digital digital privacy. And um, hopefully maybe we can have more of this on shows coming up. But in the meantime, if you have any ideas or of any products or services that you would like to hear on the show, you can email me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. Also, if there's any product or service that you would like to rave about or you want to complain about, you can also email me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. So, this is the Consumer Review Report on WMCK.FM Internet Radio. 
I'm Diane Rebecca wishing everyone a safe and good week. <laughs>